The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Colossians chapter number two in the Bible here for our scripture reading in just a moment. Colossians chapter number two. Uh, but before we dive in, I want to share a quick story. The, the first time in my life where I found myself as the victim of mistaken identity, it, it ended up turning into a, uh, a pretty interesting story. Um, Several years ago, uh, our family uh, just took a quick overnight trip to Pismo Beach. How many of you guys have ever been over to the coast there, Pismo Beach? And uh, so we went down there, and we had the opportunity of, for that evening staying at a pretty nice hotel, and it was beautiful. And so my wife actually went and checked us in at the hotel, and I took the kids, and we kind of began to explore the property a little bit. And it was, it was beautiful. Down uh, kind of on the outside of the hotel, there was this area where there was a patio and a bunch of couches and fireplace kind of overlooking the cliffs. Uh, down into the beaches there, and it was just, it was beautiful. So we, we spent the day down at the beach, and I had a great time with our family. At the end of the day, uh, we kind of made our way back to the hotel, had some dinner, and uh, then we got ready and, and went to bed. Um, the reality is I, I kind of struggle to, to fall asleep. I don't know if any of you guys ever struggle with just resting or sleeping, whatever the case may be. And so I, I struggle with falling asleep anyways. And, and on this particular day, we had all five of us in, in the same room. And for whatever reason, because it's on the coast, there's, there's no real um, air conditioning in, in the actual rooms. And so it was really difficult to try to cool it down. And it was just all, all of us in there. And it was a little stuffy and a little bit warm. And, and I, was, I was having a hard time sleeping. And then probably about midnight or one in the morning or so, uh, our kids just started getting this little cough. And it wasn't anything real bad. It wasn't like they were terribly sick. But they were just coughing enough to where every time I'd be about to fall asleep, they'd cough, and then I'd wake up, and it was just like 12.30, and then 1 in the morning. And I just, I just could not sleep, no matter what we tried to do. And, and so finally, I just I thought, well, you know, so I, I grabbed a, an old beach blanket that was sitting on the floor, and, and our room was kind of, uh, had this patio door where you could slip out the patio and go down to where this courtyard was, and so I had the blanket, and I went outside, and man, the breeze just felt great. I walked down, in fact, to this exact area right here, and uh, I was sitting out there, and the, the breeze felt so cool, and, and I could hear the ocean waves, and it was just so relaxing and peaceful, and it was dark, and so you could look up, and, and you could see just all of the stars. It was just incredible, and, and, and at some point, as I was just sitting there, I was so relaxed that I must have just ended up falling asleep right there on that couch. And I, I fell asleep there. And next thing I know, I hear this, hey, get out of here. I'm, I'm kind of startled, you know, a little bit. Get, get, get out of here. I was like, what's going on? You know, how many of you have been woken up kind of surprisingly? And you're like, don't know where you're at. You're trying to orient yourself. And I'm like, where am I? What's going on? And there's a guy yelling, get up. And, and, and so I'm kind of coming to, and it's the light, you know, the sun hasn't come up yet, but it's starting to get a little bit brighter. Obviously, I'd fallen asleep there that night. And I look up, and there's this security guard over me saying, get up. Homeless people aren't allowed to sleep here. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm trying to get the junk out of my eyes. And I said, sir, I said, uh, I'm, not, I'm not homeless. Um, I'm, I'm actually a guest of your fine establishment. <laughs> he looks at me. You never look at somebody and you say something, you can tell they just don't believe you. They don't believe a word you're saying. He kind of looked at me and said, uh, then, then what's, what's, your, what's your room number? And man, I don't know if it was I was tired or what was going on, but my wife had checked us in. I wasn't paying attention. I said, man, I, I don't know. I don't know what our room number is. So he said, well, let, just show me your room key then. Well, when I had slipped out the back door in the middle of the night, the last thing I was thinking about was a room key. I said, uh, I said honestly, I, I, I don't have one. 
He said, you don't know what your room number is. He says, you don't have a room key. He said, tell, he says, on it, he said I'm, going, I'm going to the office. If you're still here when I get to the top, I'm calling the police. I'm like, what in the world? Man, so he's making his way. I grab my blanket. I'm walking. And, and I'll be honest with you, as I'm walking back to my room, you know, I'm a little bit irritated. To him. I'm just thinking to myself, this is absolutely ridiculous. Who does this guy think I am? I pay the money to stay at a hotel here. I'm just trying to get a good night's sleep. I'm walking along. I hear this guy. It's, he's, he's treating this like this is something that happens all the time. And I'm walking along. And out of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see this homeless man. And man, his hair's all disheveled. He's kind of, kind of crouched over a little bit. He's got this blanket wrapped around his head, and he's walking. The blanket's kind of following behind him. And I, I look, and I, and I kind of get startled because I do this double take. And when I do a double take, I realize that it's actually just a reflection in a giant window of me. <laughs> I look at that thing. I'm like, I started not to feel so bad. In fact, I was so kind of blown away. I actually took a picture. I did a selfie at that moment. And I don't know if you would agree with him, but that's about what I look like <laughs> in that moment. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation before where you've been the victim of mistaken identity. And, and it never is a good thing when our identity gets mistaken by others. But it's really bad when we mistake our own identity. Kind of like what we saw there in the story. I'm, I'm sure we've all had times in our lives where how we view ourselves and, and how we view others is inconsistent with the way God views us. And, and that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about today in our message. You see, our identity affects how we feel, but it also has huge effects on how we live and how we behave. So, so we're going to unpack this idea just a little bit further today. Um, right now, we're currently in a series through the month of August that we've just called Life Verses. Uh, our teaching team has taken the opportunity of just kind of uh, taking verses that have really been influencing our lives, and, and we're taking one month just to kind of share our heart on some of these. And so uh, the passage that I chose for this morning was Colossians chapter number 2 and verse number 10. Uh, before we dive into the scripture reading, if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad that you would be with us. In fact, on your way in, you should have received a welcome guide. Uh, inside that welcome guide is a little connection card. I just want to encourage you at some point during the service uh, to fill that out. You'll have an opportunity later to turn that in, uh, either in the service or at the welcome tent. We have a gift uh, that we'd love to give you and just uh, show us, show our appreciation for your willingness to come. But for the rest of you, you should receive that service program. Uh, there is an outline that you can use as we move through our Bible study this morning as we really unpack this thought of our identity in Christ. You may be seated, stay seated. I'm going to just read. I know typically we would stand. I'm going to read chapters number 2 and verse number 10. We'll have a word of prayer and we'll dive right into it. The Bible says in the book of Colossians, chapter number 2, verse number 10, it says this, And you... Are complete in him. Let me say that one more time. And you are complete, all right, in him. Speaking of the person of Jesus Christ, the, the word complete here is referring to your position in Christ. The word complete here is speaking of your identity in the person of Jesus. So we're going to talk about that, unpack that a little bit further, and look at its implications on our lives even here today. Let's pray. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us so much that you were willing to send your son Jesus to this earth 
to be our Savior. Lord, I thank you for the salvation that we receive in Christ, but Lord, our hearts are also filled with gratitude for the fact that, Lord, we are complete in you. Lord, that we are whole in you, that in you we are enough. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use the message this morning to encourage our hearts and and challenge us, Lord, to keep our focus fixed on who our completeness is found in, and that is you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we unpack this idea of identity, let me throw a definition up up on the screen so we're all on the same page as we're moving forward. Identity really speaks of this subject of the distinguishing characteristics or personality of an individual. It, It has to do with our identification. It has to do with our sense of self. So when we talk about our identity, let me give you a practical way to think about this. Our identity is how we view ourselves It has to do with how we feel about ourselves. It has to do with what we think about ourselves. So when we talk about psychological identity, those are the things that we're referring to. Uh, Identity is anchored to this. Identity is anchored to anything that informs or influences or defines how we see ourselves. It's anything that would cause us to feel something about ourselves or think something about ourselves or, or just kind of uh, cause us to see ourselves in a particular way. That is those, those are things that inform our identity. And our, our theme for this morning is simply this. Anything that we attempt, are attempting to get our identity from anything other than an abiding relationship with Christ is absolutely futile. We, we live in a world where people are looking to a, a hundred things smaller than abiding relationship with Christ to get their identity. And, and this morning, we're going to study the subject of our identity, our wholeness, our completeness in Christ. So let's dive into the scriptures here today. To give you some background on what's happening here, we, we just spent 12 weeks working through the book of Colossians. And as many of you will remember, the Apostle Paul is speaking to this church at Colossae. And he's trying to keep these Colossian Christians away from heresy. There's heresy that's starting to slip into the church. And he's using these passages, specifically chapter 1 and chapters number 2, to help these Colossian Christians not fall into heresy. And he's also trying to encourage them in their spiritual maturity. You see, the Apostle Paul was keenly aware that in order for the Colossians to cultivate their spiritual maturity, in order for them to grow in their spiritual maturity, it would be vitally important for their identity to be rooted in Christ. And the reason the Apostle Paul is emphasizing this is because as human beings, it is our propensity to look to so many things in the material realm to inform and influence and define and label ourselves by. So this is going to lead us to the first thought in our Bible study this morning, and that is this. We're going to see the search for our completeness. The Bible says here in this passage, for you are complete in him. The reason Paul had to mention this is because the propensity of human nature is to look for our completeness, to look for our wholeness, to look for our identity in something around us, something in this material world. There are so many things we look to to inform our identity, to inform our wholeness, to to the things that we look to to find our enoughness in. So in, in this thought of our search for our completeness, just like the church at Colossae would have been looking to things in the material realm to inform how they feel about themselves, that would influence, you know, how they view themselves, 
we want to go to the scriptures and say, what is it that causes us to do that today? So let's just take a moment and address a few common things that we tend to look to for our self-worth, our self-image, sense of identity, our wholeness, our completeness, you know, our enoughness. What is it that we would tend to look to? Let me, let me give you a few things and, and then we'll move on. Probably one of the most influential things that informs the identity of many of us in this room is what I'll simply call human approval. Human approval. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about people's opinions. I'm talking about human perception of others. Uh, Some sociologists would refer to this as the social mirror. That is how the people around you project back to you who you are. The social mirror might involve your parents, it might involve co-workers, it might involve friends or relatives. It is the people around you that tell you how you should feel about yourself, how you should look at yourself, how you should view yourself. And so these things inform our identity, human approval. So why is people's opinion and the social mirror, why, is it an, why would it be an unreliable source of identity? If we shouldn't find our identity in human approval, why? Let me give you four reasons why I think it's probably unwise to look for your identity in human approval. Number one, because human approval is divided. So what do you mean? That is, some like you and some don't. How many of you have seen this to be true? You go to work, people, there are people at work who like you and there are people who don't like you. <laughs> some of you, you know, in your neighborhood, there are people who like you, there are people who don't like you. All right? Some of you have people in your very own family. Some of your family likes you. Some of you don't. You say, what's the point? Human approval is not a great source to allow to inform or to find your identity. Why? Because human approval is divided. It's a split vote. How do you know who to believe? Do you believe the people who don't like you? Do you believe the people who do like you? How, how do you know? One of the reasons this is a horrible source of identity is because it's so divided. Let me give you another reason. Human, uh, who, human approval is also distorted. It's distorted. You say, what do you mean by that? That is to say, your friends tend to overlook your failings. And your enemies can't seem to find anything right with you. How many of you have experienced this? It's like, man, there are people, how many of you have people at your workplace, and no matter what you do, it's like you can't do anything right. Some of you grew up with parents like this. A mom or a dad is like, no matter what you did, you just nothing was good enough. You could never feel like, you know, you, you did an okay job. Why? Because human approval, it's just, it's distorted. There are people, and they just, you, they can't, they won't see anything right with you. And then there's others, your friends, and they can't tend to see anything wrong with you. It's distorted. Why should we not allow human approval to be the ultimate source of our identity? The ultimate th- source of that which defines us. Number three, human approval is shallow. It's shallow. You say, what do you mean? The reality is nobody really knows your heart. Even those closest to you may not fully know you completely. So their opinion, the human approval, the reality is they don't really know you. This is why human approval is a horrible source of identity. Let me say lastly about human approval. Human approval is unsatisfying. Even if you got everybody's approval, 
and all of their affirmation. And you got everybody to like you and everybody to approve you and everybody to say you're okay and everybody to say, hey, you're whole and you're enough and everything. Even if you got that, it would still not satisfy the deepest longings of your heart because you were created by a God who designed you to need more than human approval. So even if you got it, it would be unsatisfying. Some people find their identity or look to find their identity in human approval. Uh, here's the second thing. There are some people who look to possessions to inform or influence how they should feel about themselves or how they should look at themselves. We, we live in a, let's be honest, a pretty materialistic society. Wow, and people are judging you based on what kind of clothes you're wearing, what designer brands you have on, what, what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we look to our possessions, the things we have in our house, the things we own and put in our garage, the things we have in storage, and we look to things to inform how we should feel about ourselves. So if I'm wearing this and I'm driving that and I live in that neighborhood, then I'm allowed to feel okay about myself. Then I allow myself to feel complete. Then I allow myself to feel like I'm enough because why? I've got possessions that are informing and defining how it is I feel about myself. And yet I want to say this, because possessions simply do not last, it is not a wise source to find your identity in. Uh, many, maybe as us as teenagers, it was, we kind of get caught into you know what our friends are doing at school and it was like I got to dress like this and look like that why because I want to fit in and we try to allow the things that we have inform how we see ourselves or how we view ourselves but it's unwise here's a third area a third area that we often look to to find a source of identity to find where we how we're going to define ourselves and feel about ourselves and view ourselves Uh, thirdly we look to oftentimes we look to our appearances our looks, our, our, you know, how beautiful we are, how handsome we are. And we allow this human form to define how I'm going to feel about myself. And I'm telling you what, our culture has been, for years, been driving home. Hey, if you, if you really are something, you've got you've to wear this size, you've got to be that tall, you have to have this weight, and there's this very specific mold that you have to fit into in order to be accepted in our culture. And so if we are going to look to appearances to inform and influence how we feel about ourselves, how we look at ourselves, you know, how, how we're going to live, the reality, it's incredibly unwise. And, and I'll say this, no one is immune to looking to things in the material realm to anchor their identity to, apparently not even like models and celebrities. Um, mo- uh, there was an actress, some of you would know by the name of Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, she's in her 40s now and has been in show business and modeling since she was like a teenager and uh, recently last month in the month of July she did an interview on this subject of beauty and aging and I throw her picture up because I want to give you context to what she's about to say she says I've definitely reached this is last month I've definitely reached an age where I'm no longer sexy and beautiful she goes on to say I think when you come to a place in life, if you've had this identity of being known as an attractive woman, where you're asking yourself, what does it mean to get wrinkles? 
you know, you're asking yourself, what does it mean, you know, to get closer to menopause and all these things? And it's like, what happens to your identity as a woman if you're not beautiful anymore? You say, why do you bring this up? My point being, if, if there are celebrities and models who struggle with an identity crisis around their looks, when, when they allow what the social mirror or how they appear to the people around them to inform and influence their identity, my guess would say that maybe there's some people in this room who would struggle with similar things. There might be some people in this room and, and you anchor your identity to, let's say, finances. How much you have in the bank, how much is in your 401k. And, and so you allow your financial status to inform how you feel about yourself. I'm a success. Why? Because I have this much money in the bank. I, I feel safe and secure because this is how much I have in my retirement fund. And so you allow your financial status to inform how you feel about yourself. Whether or not you're confident or kind of scared is all dependent on how much is in the bank. How much is in a 401k? And so you were looking to a financial situation to define and inform how you feel about yourself, how you look at yourself, how you view yourself as a person. But the Bible's very clear. Proverbs talks about how riches make themselves wings and they fly away. It's just riches are unstable. We can't look at a financial situation, our appearances, our possessions, our human approval. S some people might look to relationship labels to inform their identity. Maybe you're here today and your relational identity is single. You're like, when am I going to find that significant other? When, I'm, when am I going to get married? And you're like, this label of being single informs how you feel about yourself. Like, you, you feel less than because you allow that label to define you, to influence how you see yourself, how you view yourself, how you feel about yourself. For others, maybe you're here today and your label is divorced. And that label makes you feel less than. Maybe for someone in here, that label is widow or widower. And that, that reality you, if you're not careful, if you look at that label to inform how you see yourself or how you view yourself or how you value yourself, the reality, it's going to make you feel less than in some cases. Maybe your label is childless and you've been wanting a child and you've been wanting a baby. And the fact that for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like God's giving you a child and it's just that label of being childless. It informs how you feel about yourself. And there might be some ladies here and you feel less than because of that label. Maybe you're here and you look to your job or your career or even ministry to inform how you feel about yourself, how you view yourself, how you see yourself. A ministry, a, a job, a career. Well, I can feel this about myself because I have this job. Oh man, I got demoted, I got fired, and so now you feel less than, you feel incomplete. There are so many things that we as human beings will look to to search for our completeness, to feel like I'm enough, 
to feel like I am whole, to feel like things are okay. But I'm, I'm here to simply say this, regardless of your, whether you're looking to human approval or possessions or appearances or financial situation or relationship label, labels or a job, if you look to any of these things to inform or influence or define your identity, how you feel, how you view yourself, how you see yourself, can I say this? It will always leave you feeling less than. It will always leave you feeling incomplete. Throw this on the screen. None of these things are intrinsically bad in and of themselves. In fact, many of the things we just mentioned are actually some of God's greatest gifts, but they are ultimately, get this, they are ultimately unreliable in building a solid identity upon. If your life emotionally, your emotional state's going up and then your emotional state goes down and then you're living up and you're like, oh, everything's great and everything's awful and one day you feel good about yourself and one day you feel horrible and one day you feel confident and the next day you're afraid. If your life is like this, you're constantly up and down, here and there. One of the reasons for that is because you are anchoring your identity on something that is ultimately unreliable. You're anchoring it to your looks, you're anchoring it to your job, you're anchoring it to your financial status, you're anchoring it to what people around you are saying about you. And I'm here to say this, we need something more sturdy than these things. If we look to anything smaller than an abiding relationship with Jesus for our self-worth or for our satisfaction or for a sense of significance or a sense of security and safety and success, if we look to anything other than Christ, we will be disappointed. It's hard to do. Galatians chapter number four, verse seven says this. It says, wherefore, you are no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Here the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's trying to help this church at Galatians recognize, wait a second, the world is going to tell you that you're worth something based on how you look or how much money you have or based on the job you've got. But God, Paul is trying to help this church understand, no, your identity should not be informed by those things. It should not be influenced by those things. If your identity is going to be informed by something, let it be informed by this, that you are an heir with God. You're in Christ, and in Christ you are complete, and in Christ you are whole, and in Christ you are enough because of who he is. Let me ask you this question. The question I really want to ask us is this, is what informs and influences and defines your view of yourself? What is, just be, be honest with yourself for a moment. You say, I don't know. Well, then reverse engineer this. What is it in this world, this physical realm, that makes you feel less than? When you're flipping through a magazine and you see some person that's more beautiful, does that make you feel less than? When you're scrolling through social media and you see this friend or that friend and they're on vacation, they're traveling here, and you don't have the money or the resources or the finances to do that, and all of a sudden seeing that makes you feel less than. And you look at the person that's married, and you look at the person that has a perfect relationship, and you look at the person with the clothes, and whatever it is that makes you feel incomplete, less than, insecure, whatever that thing is might, might point to the fact that that is what you are looking to for your identity. 
And as long as you are looking to something other than Christ, your life is going to be an emotional roller coaster. And your behaviors and actions and decisions will always sway with whatever those influences are telling you to do. And I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure this out, but a lot of this in, in our culture is driven by money. Every commercial is psychologically designed to make you feel inadequate. Every single one of them. You don't look good enough, so buy our makeup. You're not smart enough, so buy this product. You're not cool enough, so get this car. And on a subtle way, our entire culture is driven by making you feel incomplete, inadequate. And so if we look to any of these things, we are going to be disappointed. So ask yourself this question, what informs, what influences, what defines what you think about yourself or how you view yourself or how you feel about yourself? What is it for you that makes you feel less than? See, the search for our completeness. We look for a thousand things smaller than Jesus to make us feel whole, to make us feel complete, to make us feel safe. Well, let's keep moving on. Notice what this verse says. It says, for you, you church at Colossian, you church at Fresno, you are complete. Not you will be, not, no, you are. You are complete you are whole, you are enough how? In Christ. In Christ, you are enough. And this is why we should build our identity. This is how we should build. How do I feel about myself should not be anchored to what I'm wearing or what I have in the bank account. How I feel about myself should be anchored to who God declares me to be in his word. Which leads us here to our second thought of the Bible study today, and that's this. Not only do we see our search for completeness, what are we looking to to try to feel complete, feel whole, feel like we're enough? I want you to see second of all here in this passage, we see the solution for our completeness. What is the solution for our completeness? If it's not our financial situation, if it's not the possessions we have in our house or in our car, if it's not going to be found in our appearance, if it's not going to be found in a job or a career or other people's opinions, where do we find our sense of completeness? And that's where this passage is very clear. It says the solution for our completeness is the person of Jesus Christ. It's his words, his presence, and his promises that we ultimately need to look to in order to have our identity informed. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 17 reminds us of this truth. It says, if any man be in Christ, if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, the Bible says he is, not will be. He is a new creature. Old things, notice this, are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This has happened, my friend. If you are in Christ, then you are not who you used to be. You are not who your peers tell you you are. You are not who your past tells you you are. You are not what people's opinions tell you you are. You are not what culture or society tells you you are. You are who Christ declares you to be. That is who you are. Whether you feel like it or not, that is a spiritual reality. What's sad is most of us are influenced 
by someone else's opinions or something else's opinions because we are not focused on Christ. We are, we're, our heart and ears are not tuned to Christ to hear his declaration upon our lives. And he says, in Christ, you are new. We can go through the scriptures on this. We must view ourselves in light of who God says we are. According to Ephesians chapter number one, verse seven, in Christ, we are not guilty, but rather we're forgiven. According to Ephesians chapter number one, verse six, in Christ, we are not rejected, we're actually accepted. According to Jeremiah chapter number 31, verse three, in Christ, we are not despised, but rather we are loved. In, in Romans chapter number 3, verse 22, in Christ we are not unrighteous, but rather we have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. According to 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 9, in Christ we are no longer unholy, but we have been made holy in Jesus. According to Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 10, in Christ we are no longer intrinsically weak, but in Christ we are actually strong regardless of what our emotions are telling us. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 7, in Christ we are no longer poor, but rather we have been made rich in Jesus. According to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2 verse 14, in Christ we are no longer ultimately failures, but rather we are victorious, the Bible says. This is the essence, this is the spiritual reality of who we now are in Christ. According to Colossians 2.10, in Christ we're no longer inadequate, we are are now complete in second corinthians chapter number six and verse number 20 in christ we are no longer worthless we are now valuable to him in second corinthians chapter number five and verse number 17 in christ we are no longer who we used to be we are now a new creation according to romans chapter number eight verse number 17 in christ we are no longer a nobody but rather we are a child of the king and a joint heir with christ and I could go on and I could go on and I could go on about the declaration of Christ upon who he declares you to be. And so the question is, what is it that you are going to look to to inform and influence your identity? What is it that's going to influence how you see yourself? What is it that's going to inform how you feel about yourself? What is it that you focus on to get your sense of worth and sense of self? Are you going to look to something in the material realm? Are you going to look to Christ? What are you going to choose to influence and inform your identity? Because if you look to anything other than Christ, I'm here to say it's unreliable. And sometimes you'll feel great and sometimes you'll feel horrible. And man, when the stock market's up and your investments are doing good, you're going to feel confident. And when the bottom breaks out, you're going to feel like, ah, where is our security going to come from? And man, when you look in the mirror and you're feeling pretty good about yourself, hey, it's a good day. And then, the, then you have a bad hair day, and what do you do? It's just up and down and back and forth. And as we live on this emotional roller coaster, all of a sudden now, these things have a massive influence on how we behave and the decisions that we make. We as human beings do not tend to make very wise decisions when we are finding our identity in the material realm. We are way too easily manipulated when we look to something other than Christ to inform how we see ourselves. Easily manipulated. 
And so we get manipulated by the people that call themselves our friends. We get manipulated by commercials on TV. We get manipulated by what's happening in Hollywood, what we see in the movies, what we're supposed to buy. And we find ourselves in all kinds of debt because we can't afford half the things that the world's trying to sell to us. And no matter how hard we try, we can't keep up appearances. And so when we're with these people, we got to act a certain way. And then when we're with somebody else, we got to act a different way. And it's absolutely exhausting and we can't do it. And all of a sudden, in that state, we begin to make some horrible decisions and choices. And so that state of being up and down and back and forth causes us to make incredibly unwise decisions. So so what do we do? How do we find our identity in Christ? I I can speak for a moment from personal experience. The reality is this is really hard. Because we live in a culture that is yelling at us from a hundred different directions about what we should do and what we should be and how, what we should buy. And it's like all these voices are so loud. How do we allow Christ to be the ultimate defining decision maker upon our life? How do we do it? I can think of a situation several years ago where I was really struggling Man, as most of you know, as a, a young pastor, I've been pastoring now for 17 years. And early on, man, I was like, I am way too young for this. I don't know what I need to do with this situation. Half the people I was counseling had been married longer than I'd been alive. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if this call that God's been putting on me is something, you know, I can handle. And, I remember during those seasons just literally getting honestly going to like states of depression and feeling deeply inadequate, like deeply insecure, like depressed, like thinking, man, I hope I'm not really messing people up royally. I remember in those moments, it was like I was being reminded that, you know what, that God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses in our inadequacies, and rather than looking to everything in the material realm, I remember just going to Christ and, man, just letting his word and listening to his word being preached over my life, seeing it as I did my devotions and seeing it in the word of who he declares us to be. I remember just having journals and writing out verse after verse, passage after passage, promise after promise, literally in a kinetic way, trying to just, with my, with my hands, just write this thing out to get it into me. I remember just speaking these things in a spirit of prayer. Dear God, this is what you say. It's not what I feel. It's, it's not kind of what's driving my emotional state. But God, this is what you say is true. Could you help me by faith believe that this grace is available? And I want to encourage us just to to use all of our senses to reinforce who God says that we are. Use your ears to get into church under the preaching and teaching of God's word. And use your ears to just listen to God's word on your life. Preach to yourself if you have to, but listen to it. If you've got to get your eyes, use every sense, use your eyes to read it 
to see it for yourself again and again. Don't just wait for Sunday to get in the Word. Every day, get in the Word for yourself. See this for yourself. If you've got to use the sense of touch and kinetically take a pen and a piece of paper and just write out what God's showing you on a piece of paper, get, just get it in there. Use your lips and your words just to speak it. Pray it back to God and say, God, this is what you're declaring. Help me by faith to receive it. I want to remind you today that at the end of the day, you are not your sin. You are not ultimately defined by your failures. You are not ultimately defined by your past. You are not defined by what people or friends say about you behind your back. You are not even the sum total of your temptations. You are ultimately who God declares you to be. That is your ultimate reality in a spiritual realm. That is who you are. The Bible says that you are a new creature. And then from heaven's perspective, when the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, the one that spoke all things into its existence, when that creator looks at you, this is what he sees. The perfection of his son, Jesus Christ, laid onto your account. But we don't believe it. And so we live in a state of constantly up and down emotionally, making poor decisions, di different, why? Because we're just totally influenced and manipulated by everything around us. Now, as I end and conclude, I, I do think it's important to say, not every Christian externally expresses their internal perfection all the time. How many of you would agree with that? Not every Christian externally expresses their internal perfection. Okay, you, you, we understand this. At our core, what the Bible calls at a spirit level, you are complete. You are whole and you are perfect. At that spirit level. But in the physical realm, how many of you have made some mistakes? So not all of us are expressing all our internal perfection all the time. How do we do it? Uh, last year was my wife and I's 15th anniversary, and we had, I've talked about this before, we had the opportunity of uh, heading over to Italy for a couple of days, and, and while we were there, uh, we got to go see the Sistine Chapel, and it was just unbelievable, and I'm sure many of you have seen pictures of this, and of course the story is, I, you know, on, on the roof there, Michelangelo just spent years just literally painting. It was just an unbelievable sight to behold that all of this was literally just done by hand. Painting, it was just, it was awe-inspiring to be there. I remember just hearing a little bit about Michelangelo and as an artist, and as we headed up to Florence, we found uh, one of his statues, and some of you would be familiar with the statue of David, and it was just, it was massive. It was way bigger than I could imagine. I mean, it was just, it's like, it was, I, I want to say on its pedestal, it was standing somewhere like 20 or 25 feet high. It was just huge. I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking to myself, man, here's a person who just literally sculpted this with a, with a little chisel. And, and one day, somebody came up to Michelangelo after he had completed this statue and asked him this question. He, he said, he said, Michael, how did you do it? How did you take this piece of rock and turn it into this masterpiece? And Michelangelo's response was simply this. He, he simply says, I simply, I simply carved out everything that wasn't David. So I just carved out everything that wasn't David. You say, how do we get to a place where 
we externally express our internal perfection. If that's who we truly are, how does that work its way out? And I'll say this, we simply allow the Holy Spirit to carve out everything that isn't Christ and submit to it. How do we do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We'll wrap this up. It says, but we all, with an open face, behold, as in a glass, we see Paul using a metaphor, like looking in a mirror. He says, we all behold the glory of the Lord. This is interesting. And are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You say, how do we get changed into his glory, into his image? How do we allow the Spirit of God, as we see at the end of this verse, carve away everything that isn't spirit? Here's what we do. We behold his glory. You've heard me say this before, but what we behold is ultimately what we will become. We with an open face behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord and there we are chained into the same image from glory to glory. How do you conform into the image of Christ? You keep your focus fixed on him. When the world's trying to tell you you're less than, when the world tries to say you're not enough, when the world's trying to tell you you don't got it in you, you keep your eyes on the word of God, you keep your eyes on the promises of God, you keep your focus fixed on the presence of God and you behold his glory day after day, week after week not getting distracted by the things of this world not getting distracted by the temptations of this world not getting distracted by lesser things but keeping your heart fixed on Christ not looking to other Christians not looking to other pastors not looking to other people or other no you keep your eyes on Jesus you behold his glory you behold his majesty and in that way you are changed into his glory you become what you behold. If you pull out your phone and you, you click it and say, how much time did I spend on social media? Because now it's a new little thing that I'll do. Ask yourself, did I spend more time beholding what's happening in my social media? Or did I spend more time beholding, focusing on what's on Jesus and his word? Because ultimately, whatever it is that you spend the majority of your time focused on, mark it down, that's where your heart is going. That's where your heart will drift. So as our takeaway today, I want to encourage you with this. Focus on Christ. Focus on Christ and who you are in Him. And in that way, you will become what you behold. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.